0: Man, it is so great to see people uh, in uh, the room again. uh, I haven't seen an audience like this since March 8th of 2020. So uh, thank you so much for being in the room right now. Let's hear it for everybody in the room. Awesome. And hey, uh, those of you who are in Gospel Fusion right now, hey, uh, so good that you are here uh, with us. And uh, for those of you who are with us uh, right now at Blackhawk Downtown and Blackhawk Fitchburg in live venues, so that's just awesome, too. And welcome also to those of you who are watching us uh, at home uh, online. And ping uh, to those of us in the Blackhawk Chinese ministry, hey, you know what, let me do a shout out. Um, to those people in Blackhawk Chinese Ministry, because usually uh, when we uh, prepare a talk, the talks are prepared like weeks in advance, and then we give the talks to Pastor Charles Huang, who is the lead pastor of Black Hawk Chinese Ministry, and then uh, he translates them into Mandarin, you know, it hits his first language. And he personalizes the message and changes the illustrations to make it fit, you know, his audience who are Mandarin speaking. But because this month is such a weird month, uh, and all these messages are kind of be, um, they're like very personal messages, he's not doing that. So our Mandarin uh, brothers and sisters are having to listen to me in English. So we just give them a hand uh, for having to do that. So... Thank you. Hey, thank you. I am so proud of Blackhawk Chinese Ministry and all the Mandarin speakers we have coming to Blackhawk Church. So this is a weird uh, month, you guys. Uh, In the history of this church, there's not been a month uh, like this because there is a transition going on between myself, and I've been the senior pastor here at Blackhawk Church for the last 27 years, and... In 25 days, if anybody's counting, uh, Matt Metzger would become the next senior pastor at Blackhawk Church. So this is a planned transition. This transition has been in the works for over two years now. So it's a very planned kind of a thing that we're doing. So uh, one of the things that the teaching team and leadership decided to do was to basically give me the month of June and let me do uh, four different talks. So what's gonna happen is that uh, I'm going to do uh, two talks and then we're going to have a Q&A and then something strange is going to happen. Uh, we're calling this whole series, Because of His Grace. We're calling it that because it's true. <laughs> because of His grace, nothing has happened to Blackhawk Church that is not first and foremost because of God's grace. And this is a favorite line that I've been using for years and years and years. I sign all of my correspondence because... Of His grace. So uh, today I'm going to give a talk and then next week I'm going to offer my prayer uh, for Blackhawk Church. And then on the 20th, uh, the next senior pastor, Matt Metzger, is going to come up here. We're going to do a Q&A. He's going to ask me uh, questions about ministry and stuff like that. That sounds so boring. I can't imagine anybody wants to actually come to that. And then the 27th, I have no idea what's gonna happen on the 27th. And I am not happy about this in any way, shape or form. One of my main characteristics as uh, the leader around here is that I do not like to be surprised. That's That's a big deal around here. Everybody knows Chris doesn't like to be surprised. My staff don't care about that anymore. And so I don't know what's going to happen on the 27th. Personally, I don't actually want to be here on the 27th. But I've been told I have to be here. So on the 27th, you can show up with me and be surprised just like I'm going to be surprised. But today I get to do a talk. So what am I going to talk on? Remember when you were growing up? And uh, they piled you into a car, and you went to some relative's house for Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving. And you get to this big family uh, function, and you know intellectually that you're related to everybody that you're going to see. You get out of the car, and you go into the house, and first thing that you sense is you smell great food coming from the kitchen. And you're hungry, and you can't wait but before you can sit down and have a meal, a crazy uncle comes up to you, and he hugs you, and you're like, Ugh, like this, and the uncle says to you, oh, my, look how you've grown up. You've grown so fast. All right, let me stop the story right now. How many of you can remember something like that happening to you? Raise your hand. Okay, that's about everybody. Okay, then after he tells you about your life (laughs) and that you've been growing so fast and you like, get away from me, he says to you, where's the time gone? Time goes so fast. Well, I'm the crazy uncle right now. And I'm hugging all of you. And I'm telling you right now, Where has the time gone? It has gone so fast. If you ask uh, Siri or uh, Google, how many Sundays have passed from July 1st, 1994, to July 1st, 2021, she will tell you 1,409 Sundays. That's a lot of Sundays. That's 27 years worth of Sundays, and it seems like that was just yesterday. Our journey, my family's journey to Blackhawk Church really didn't begin in 1994. It really really kind of began in 1990, in April 1990, when my father uh, contracted a bad cancer. And then in... February of 1991, he was dead. My family, we lived in Shreveport, Louisiana. I was the pastor of Shreveport Bible Church for 10 years. And while my father was dying from a bad cancer, we made that 800-mile trip from Shreveport, Louisiana to Indianapolis, Indiana about a dozen times. It was a long trip. And after he died, my wife and I said... You know, he's the first of our kids' grandparents to die, and our kids didn't even really know my dad. It would be cool if we could move back to the Midwest. That started the process. So uh, we filled out a resume and a cover letter, and uh, you know, we didn't tell anybody in Shreveport. We loved that church. We loved those people. We loved that food. But we decided that we wanted to get back closer to family. So for the next three years, we sent resumes out to over 100 churches. And it was a difficult process. Oh, my gosh. Most of the search committees that we would send our resume to never even sent us a card back and said like hey we got your resume thanks for sending that now let me stop for a second cuz i got to retranslate for a lot of people this is before the internet <laughs> there, was, there there was a day before the internet and processes like this were very slow and we would send letter after letter after letter after we'd find out there was an opening for 3 years over 100 churches we finished second place in two different churches. I had pretty much just given up the search process when in January of 1994, I was working in the garage on something for my daughter, and my wife comes into the garage, and she says, hey, there's a phone call for you from some search committee in Wisconsin. I said, I didn't send a resume to Wisconsin. She says, it doesn't matter. He's on the phone. Get in here. (laughs) So I went in and I took the phone call and there was a man who identified himself as my name is George Braider. I'm on the search committee from Blackhawk Evangelical Free Church in Madison, Wisconsin. I thought to myself, who are you? I said, I didn't send a resume to Wisconsin. What's the name of that church again? He said, Blackhawk Church. I thought, in my mind, that's the weirdest name for a church. I thought of the Chicago Blackhawks right away. I thought, this is Wisconsin. There's a bunch of hockey fans up there. Who would name their church after a hockey team? I'm thinking, is there a Packer Evangelical Free Church? I mean, really? So I talked to this guy for like an hour and a half. And I said to him, I never sent a resume. He says, are you Chris Dolson? Yes, I am. I've got your resume. I've got your cover letter. It's got your signature on it. I didn't send it. Well, do you want to talk to me or not? <laughs> so I just talked with the guy. And we, our hearts just melted together right there for an hour and a half. And then the search committee kicked in. And it was run by a guy named Bill Schultz. And I'm telling you, that guy knew how to run a search team. I mean, most of the churches we sent resumes to, they didn't give us the time of day. Nobody wanted a pastor of a real small church in Louisiana. But this search committee, they sounded like they actually liked us. And I found out later that Bill actually does searches for a living professionally, and you can definitely tell that. And one thing uh, led to another, and we actually came to Madison. <laughs> you want to see a, guys? Want to see a picture of what we looked like when we moved to Madison? Here you go, right here. <laughs> what? I've not changed one bit there, have I? My son saw this picture. Uh, my son is now 39. My son saw this picture uh, this week, and he looks at that picture, and he goes, No wonder no one wanted to hire you. <laughs> it's the worst picture in the world. We like this picture uh, because uh, our cat, that's our cat, Wow. Our cat's name is Wow. And uh, that was really uh, the whole family right there. But that... seemed like yesterday to me where's the time gone there are hundreds of verses in the bible about the fact that time goes by so quickly and I want to look at just a few of those you have made my days a mere hand breath. the span of my years is as nothing before you everyone is but a what Bread. even those who seem secure for my days vanished like he remembered that they his people were but flesh read that that, that does not return now listen you who say Today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a that appears for a little while and then vanishes. There are lots of verses like this in the Bible, trust me, where our life is compared to a smoke, breath, Wind, a mist. Here's our life right here. Here we go. Here you go. It's our life. It's just just a mist. It's just a mist. Chris Olson, born in 1956, lives in Indianapolis. Oh, there you go. Uh, do that faster. Chris Dolson, Indianapolis, Terre Haute, Dallas. No, I get, man, it just doesn't. our life. A couple lessons from our life. For our life. Because we are like a mist, we should learn humility. Anyone who's proud and goes, I'm the greatest person in the world. Look how powerful I am. There you're gone. You're gone now. People who are in touch with reality are people who are humble. Because we know that we'll be forgotten. You'll be forgotten. No one will remember your name. Welcome to Black Hawk Church. Aren't you glad you're here? <laughs> Is this an encouraging message or what? Nobody's going to remember you. Just like you can't remember the name of your great-great-grandfather on your mother's side. Or your father's side. Maybe you can remember their name. Go back a couple of generations before that. You don't know their name, do you? And just like that, generations from now, people in your family will not remember your name because you are like that. You are a mist. And you just, you come and go. That should teach every one of us humility. Another thing that this should teach us is because we're like a mist, we should gain some perspective in life. I mean, we're like a mist, but Yahweh is like a rock. Psalm 103 reads like this. As a father has compassion on his children... So Yahweh, remember when it's all caps, it's the personal name of God, Yahweh. So Yahweh has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are, what's that word? Dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, Yahweh's love is for, with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Yahweh has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. We should gain some perspective because we're like a mist. Yahweh is the one who is solid. Yahweh is like a... A rock. I love uh, verse 17 and 18 where it says, But from everlasting to everlasting, because that's Yahweh, Yahweh's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. We get our value in life because we are image bearers of Yahweh, not because we are important in and ourselves. We get our value in life because we're related to him. True meaning in life comes from having him at the center because he is eternal. He lasts forever. This is his planet. Everything you breathe belongs to him. Every molecule belongs to him. We are but like dust. We are like a breath. We are like smoke. We are like a mist. And anything of value in life has to do with Yahweh. So, if we are like a mist and we come and go, what does Yahweh want us to do? He's the one that is most important. Well, you don't have to dig around in the Bible to figure out what Yahweh wants from us. Some religious uh, teachers came up uh, to Jesus, and they they quizzed him once, and they asked uh, Jesus, what were the, what's the greatest commandment? We read this in the New Testament. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Let me stop for just a second. You see why that makes total sense? Because if Yahweh is the most important, if Yahweh is the mountain, if he is the rock, if he's most important, this is logical. Do you see that? What's the first? Well, you love him with all of your mind, all of your soul, because he's solid. And what's the second greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it: love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We don't have to scratch our heads when we read the Bible and try to figure out what Jesus actually wants from us. He wants us to love Yahweh with all of our hearts and all of our souls and all of our minds. And the second one is this, love your neighbor as yourself. As followers of Christ, we should be known as people who love our neighbors as ourselves. We give up whatever's important to us because we love our neighbors as when you say evangelical Christian, that's what people should think of. We're the loving people. We're the ones who are loving people. That's what God wants us to do. That means that we care for other people. That means that we invest in the lives of other people. I'm standing up here today about ready to finish my 27th year of being the senior pastor at Blackhawk Church, my 37th year of being a senior pastor anywhere because of God's grace and because people have invested in my life. That's why I'm standing here right now. Because of his grace and because people have invested in my life. Which reminds me of a story. And I don't think I've ever told this story before. I love telling stories I've never told before. (laughs) And it all starts with hay fever. When I was um, in junior high, my first year in junior high, in seventh grade, I had the worst case of hay fever. I mean, I could not go outside. I lived in Indianapolis, Indiana, and if I went outside in in July, August, or September, it was ragweed pollen, and I was allergic to it, and I would just start, my eyes would water. I'd start sneezing uncontrollably. I had to live next to an air conditioner. I mean, my parents gave me shots and everything. I was a mess. I couldn't go outside at all. My seventh grade year, first year of middle school, junior high, all of my friends, after school was over, started playing football for the junior high team. Now, football is outside. Did you know that? (laughs) They roll around in the grass. I could not do that. If I rolled around in the grass, I would just be a complete mess. So while all of my friends, Bob and Matt and Kevin and Joe, while they would go put on their football gear. Have you ever seen football gear? It just makes you look so awesome. (laughs) While they were putting on their football gear and playing football, I had to walk across the field to go into a building where my mommy was so that my mommy could give me a ride home. That is super embarrassing, you guys. So I'd wave to these guys, and they're like hitting each other. And then I'd walk to this building. Now, that building was the high school, and that was right close to the middle school. And I walked to the high school. My mom was the principal's secretary. And I would go in the building, and I'd sit there next to her, and I would just wait for her to get ready to go home. And then I'd go home because we had to protect little Chrissy. Well, I was sitting there one day, this uh, nice man comes up, and uh, he says, uh, Hilda, is this your son? And she says, yes, this is Chris. And he says, you know what? Uh, I've seen him sit here uh, after school, so uh, could I ask you, could, could, he, could he help me? Because I have some equipment that I have to get out of this closet, and I have to set it up. And i got to do this every day. You think Chris could help me do that. This man's name was Frank Knuckles, and he was the gymnastic coach. So I said, sure, I'll help him. My mom said, that's okay. So I helped him set up the gym, and then i go back to be with my mommy, and then she would drive me home. <laughs> set up the gym, be with my mommy, go home. Gym. I, well, one day, Mr. Knuckles says, you know what? If you have some gym clothes, you can try this if you want. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. I'm in seventh grade. Everybody was a high schooler. And we said, that's okay. So everybody else is a high schooler. I'm a seventh grader. Just being in the same gym with a bunch of high schoolers when you're seventh grade is a big deal. And one day, Mr. Knuckles got down on his knees and said, here, I want to teach you a back handspring. And so I... Got next to him, and back handspring is a very basic move in gymnastics. And he helped me through a back handspring, and I fell right on my head, and I was terrible. And then he got down on his hands and knees and helped me again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Mr. Knuckles took initiative, and he went out of his way to invest in a seventh-grade kid. Pretty soon, I got one, and then I could do two, and then I could do five and 10. And by the end of my seventh grade year, I could do that pretty well. And then my eighth grade year, I got even better. My ninth grade year, I wasn't even in high school yet, I could compete with the other high schoolers. And I got second in the state. I got really good. In gymnastics because Mr. Knuckles invested his time in me. I've never shown a picture of me as a gymnast when I was in high school. How many of you want to see it? It doesn't matter. I'm going to show you anyway. So this is when I was in high school right there. Look how much hair I have on top of my head. (laughs) Is that amazing or what? I'm telling you, man. It says Davis there, Ben Davis High School. It's on the west side of Indianapolis, Indiana. And I got pretty good at gymnastics. And then I got an athletic scholarship to Indiana State University. And we had the best team in the country in 1977. We won the NCAAs. My coach was the Olympic coach. I hung out with the best gymnast in the world. And then God got a hold of my life while I was in Terre Haute, Indiana. And there was a guy who covered gymnastics as a sport, and he also covered basketball as a sport for the local paper. There was a basketball player at Indiana State in the late 70s. His name was Larry Bird. You ever heard of him? Yeah. saw a lot of Larry Bird when I was in college, that's for sure. Mostly in the locker room, and I'll stop right there. (laughs) And that's also when I met my wife. And my life completely changed as a result of some teacher investing in the life of a 7th grader. A Couple things we can learn from that story. Number one, obstacles can turn into opportunities. I wanted to play football. I didn't even know about gymnastics. But I could not do that. I just physically would not be able to do that. And that obstacle turned into an opportunity. And I wouldn't be here today if it hadn't been for hay fever. Many of us this year have run into super obstacles. COVID has just come and shut things down. And because of COVID, we have had all kinds of doors slammed on us. And we've not been able to do all kinds of different things. Maybe we have lost our job. Maybe we were not able to go to the school that we wanted to go to. Maybe things didn't happen at work like we wanted them to happen. And we have run into a huge obstacle. But I'm telling you right now, sometimes... We go through the wrong door to get to the right places. Sometimes doors are closed in our face, and that causes us to go another direction. Some people have in their minds the idea that life is like this. I'm going to think my life out and plan it, and this is gonna happen, and this is gonna happen, and this is gonna happen, and this is gonna happen. That's not my life. I never wanted to be a gymnast, And I never wanted to send my resume to Madison, Wisconsin. (laughs) I'm sure that in 2031, many people will be telling stories that will start like this. If it hadn't happened for COVID, if COVID didn't happen in 2020, 2021, I would have never filled in the blank. Obstacles often lead to opportunities. Second lesson we can learn from that is this. We have no idea what will happen when we invest in the lives of others. You have no idea what will happen. Life is not about just pure chance, you guys. The last proverb in chapter 16 of of the book of Proverbs, you cast a lot into the lap, And it's every decision is from the Lord. What seems like a chance thing from Yahweh's perspective is not chance. He is sovereign over all things. No one would have ever been able to say, because Mr. Knuckles got down on his knees, I would end up being the senior pastor for 37 years in two different churches. No one would ever think that. But as I retrace my life, that's exactly the path that I took. You have no idea what will happen if you're obedient to the Lord's command and you love your neighbor as yourself and you invest in the lives of other people. You have no idea what will happen. The guy who led the search committee uh, to uh, search and uh, resulted, kind of found me. His name is Bill Schultz. Bill Schultz was born with obstacles in his life but that did not keep him from investing in the lives of other people, watch this. It was
1: 1954, I was nine years old and in love with a game of baseball. The only thing in the world I wanted was to make it on our little league team. I went through all the tryouts, hitting, fielding, throwing, and my friends told me I did a great job. The commissioner of the league walked up to me and my parents, even though I could play well, He told me I could not be on the team because of my artificial leg. I could get hurt or hurt another player. I was devastated. It hurt like nothing before. One day I was on the field, and the next day I could only watch the game I loved through a chain-linked fence. Sixty-six years later, it's time for a new field. It's time to let everyone play. It's time for the Miracle League.
2: The Miracle League of Dane County will provide children with cognitive and physical disabilities the opportunity to play America's favorite pastime, baseball. But it's not only about baseball. In addition to hitting the ball, making their way around the bases, and crossing home plate, these children will experience life-changing moments that will forever impact them and their families, volunteers, coaches, fans, and the community at large. The Diamond at Bakken Park in Cottage Grove will have a rubberized synthetic field that enables children with wheelchairs, walkers, or poor mobility to play baseball. Each child has a buddy, a volunteer, who is by their side as they play the game. It will take more than the love of the game to make this field a reality. We will need volunteers, sponsors, and you. To learn more and donate, please visit DaneCountyMiracleLeague.org.
1: Yogi Berra once said, love is the most important thing in the world, but baseball is pretty good too, especially when everyone gets to play. Yeah.
0: Hey, for everybody in this room, Bill's in the room right now. Bill, you wanna stand up right now? Let's give this guy a round of applause right now. Awesome. So I had an opportunity to go uh, see the field uh, with Bill. It's amazing, the field is completed and uh, just was uh, finished, and uh, he's had uh, so many of his hours of his time has been put uh, into this. The backstory story of this is that uh, the Miracle League is there's 300 of these all around the country, uh, but Bill contacted a person down in um, Atlanta, Georgia, a woman, a Christ follower, and uh, wanted to know why there wasn't one in Dane County, and... Uh, that was three years ago, and he's done a lot to make that happen uh, now. He needs an administrative assistant. He needs some people that are good with video and that kind of stuff. If you're interested in helping him, here's the website, and you can go there. This thing is going to grow uh, like crazy. This has all happened because obstacles turned into opportunities for him, and he decided to love his neighbor as, themselves, as himself, investing in the lives of other people. So what are you doing? Are you investing in the lives of other people? I'm going to stand up before you right now as a crazy 65-year-old pastor and tell you you're going to be 65 and it's going to happen like that. Time is going to just pass you by and it's going to go really fast. So what are you doing with the time that God has given you? Are you investing in the lives of other people? Draw a circle around your life. Who's in your life? Who's in your life? I'm not asking you to go out and look for people that you don't even know. Who's in your life right now? I was in Frank Knuckles' life. He brought me in. Who's in your life? Are you a teacher? What student is in your life? Are you a parent? What are your children doing? Are you a neighbor? Who's in your life right now? And are you living for yourself or are you living for other people? I'm here today because of God's grace and because other people have invested their lives in me. That's why I'm here. Are you investing in the lives of other people? And if you love God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind, and if you love your neighbor as yourself, then life is going to work out just perfectly. I would never say that. I would never say that because it's not true and we cannot do anything to put God in our debt. God doesn't owe us one thing. If he did, it wouldn't be grace. Because of his grace, God allows you to participate with him, love him, because he's the rock. And love your neighbor as yourself. By doing these things, we have an opportunity to be a part of what God wants us to do as we build a community to reach a community. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for an opportunity that we have to be reminded of the fact that we just come and go that we are like a breath, we're like a mist, we're like a vapor, we're like smoke. We pray, Father, that because of this that you would teach us to be humble people. We're not that big a deal. We're going to be forgotten. I thank you, Father. To me, this is comforting because it reminds me of what's important. It reminds me to be invested in you because you are like a rock. You are solid. I pray, Father, you would help all of us to love you with all of our heart and mind and soul and that we would be people who would not be about ourselves, but we would love our neighbor. Give for our neighbor. Invest in our neighbor for your sake. We pray this in Christ's name, for the sake of his reputation, all God's people said.